Thank you for joining the Element Church Podcast, where we exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message inspires and strengthens your faith. The year was 1859. The place was Niagara Falls, New York, where Charles Blondin, a famous tightrope artist, had had rigged a tightrope from from the U.S. to the Canada side, 160 feet above Niagara Falls. Thousands of people had gathered on both sides to, to witness his incredible ability. He started out just by walking back and forth between the two sides, and, and this was much to the delight and amazement of the onlooking crowd. He then added difficulty. Uh, the story goes that he strapped a stove to his body and cooked an omelet while walking across to the other side. He rode a bicycle across, which is insane. The grand finale was walking backwards from the U.S. to the Canada side, then blindfolding himself and pushing a wheelbarrow back to the U.S. side. Uh, the crowds oohed and awed with, with every pass that he made. And, and now he, he asked the, the crowd, who wants to see me do that with someone in the wheelbarrow? And of course, they roared with excitement. He, he then said, who believes I can do it? with someone in the wheelbarrow, and they roared even louder their belief they could do it. Then he asked, who will be the first volunteer to get in the wheelbarrow? And of course, no one did. You see, it's one thing to say you believe he can do it. It's another thing altogether to actually get in the wheelbarrow and trust him to push you to the other side. And that same idea is true in our faith as well. And it's what I want to talk about today as we continue the sermon series we've been in called Bruh. If you're new with us and you don't know who I am, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here. You might be wondering why I'm preaching to you on video with this weird brick background behind me. Well, unfortunately, two weeks ago, uh, I missed a Sunday because I was on quarantine when my wife, Sabrina, my daughter, Michaela, tested positive for COVID. And then just a few days ago, our son, Jonah, tested positive for COVID as well. He is experiencing some mild symptoms, so your prayers for a quick recovery there uh, would be great. Thankfully, through the power of technology, we are able to provide for you the same sermon I was planning on giving to you in person this week. Uh, Our tech team uh, dropped the supplies off, the equipment we needed on my front porch uh, on Friday, and I think my wife and I have got this figured out to where we can record it and deliver it for for you on video today. And speaking of, of video sermons coming up in two Sundays, on Sunday, September 5th, We will not be having our in-person gatherings. We will only be providing a short online sermon for you and your family uh, to engage with as we are going to be um, experiencing a Sabbath Sunday. The Sabbath is a command from God to stop all of our normal work and activity on one day a week and rest in, delight in, and worship Him. We wanted to model that as an entire church this year by taking four Sundays where we stop 
all of our normal work and activity that we would typically do on a Sunday. And we give all of our volunteers rest, but we also rest our property, our building, and our equipment from what we would normally be using it for. So that's in two Sundays, uh, September 5th. It's a Sabbath Sunday. Please join us online for that sermon we're providing for you there. Today is week four of our sermon series called Bruh, and it's the New Testament letter of James that we are walking through, and we're going to see what James says about faith. Again, like the, the wheelbarrow illustration, when it comes to our faith, it's one thing to say we believe. It's another thing altogether to actually get in and do it. In fact, the big idea today is this, a saving faith is much more than a saying faith. A saving faith, a faith that activates God's forgiveness in my heart and brings me and keeps me in a relationship with him, a faith that secures my home in eternity, a saving faith is much more than a saying faith. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but the Apostle Paul says these words almost exactly in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20. Paul says this, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of, what's it say? Talk. I know I'm on video today, but you can still go ahead and, and speak out. It's not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. And this actually may be one of the reasons you or someone you know doesn't believe in God. Because there are so many people who claim they have a faith in God through Jesus, but their lives look nothing like what even you as an unbeliever knows their life should look like. And I get it. I know even as a pastor how frustrating that can be. But I would just challenge you. Don't let the hypocrisy of someone else keep you from the full life God wants to provide for you through Jesus. And that is what he wants to provide. It's part of our vision here. We exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect in the meaningful relationships and make a lasting impact. God wants that for you and we want that for you, even if you don't believe. That is our prayer for you. So a saving faith is much more than a saying faith. It's more than a lot of talk. And I hope that as believers today, we will be challenged to focus on our walk more than our talk. And for all of us, including those who don't believe, I hope we will see today the kind of faith that God calls us to and the kind of faith that God will empower us to live in our lives. So here's the big question today. What kind of faith is God looking for? What kind of faith is God looking for? If a saving faith is more than a saying faith, we've got to know what kind of faith God wants. To find the answer, we're going to be in uh, the main scripture of James 1, 21 through 27. And then we're going to look at James 2, 14 through 20 and a couple other places 
as well. Remember, James is the half-brother of Jesus, so he really is the bruh of Jesus. Uh, he's also uh, the, the leader of the very first Christian church in Jerusalem. He's a leader of Christians in Jerusalem. And in this letter he writes, he just makes statements and provides teachings that cause us to say, bruh, like they just hit you in the face. If you don't own a Bible, uh, you can download a free Bible app. It's called YouVersion. Just search Bible or YouVersion in whatever app store you use. It should be the very first one there at the top. You can ask for a Bible at guest services. If you're there in person, we'll get you one uh, free of charge. And as always, we are providing everything I read will be on the screens as well. Before I dive into the word, let's pause for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, I pray that today, even if we're, as we're on video, Lord, I'm not there in person, but your, your spirit is here and your spirit is there in the room. And so, Lord, I ask for your spirit to unite us together through your word. And as we look into your word and what it says about faith, Lord, help us see and know and then follow through on the kind of faith you want us to experience in our lives Lord, I need your power, your anointing, and your authority to be upon my words as I deliver to these people. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. James 1, starting in verse 21, reading all the way through verse 27, so it's a, a large chunk, so lock in with me, if you will. James says this, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. Speaking of God's word, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Bruh. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Wow. Everyone doing okay? I'm not there in the room, so I can't read how you're responding, but, but that was heavy stuff we just read there. A uh, saving faith is more than, much more than a saying faith. So what kind of faith is God looking for? Well, the first thing we see is right there in what we read. God wants to see in us a faith that portrays. A faith that portrays. I, I brought this, this mirror with me today. It's a two-sided mirror to, to help me out. Everyone knows what, what a mirror is for, Right? Like, like, like a mirror, if we're honest, in America is to keep us from embarrassing ourselves in public. Can I get a witness, right? But, 
But uh, you know, every time before you leave the house in the morning, before you leave a public restroom, you're, like, you're always looking in a mirror, right? And you look, and if anything is incorrect, you fix it. If your hair is messed, if you if you have hair. If your, if your hair is messed up, you fix it. If you've got a booger in your nose, you get it out. If there's something in your teeth, you, you remove it. If your fly is down, whatever it is, like no one looks into a mirror, sees something wrong, and doesn't fix it. Like, like no one does that. But have you ever had a moment in life where you wished you had a mirror because you experienced something embarrassing? Our family used to live across the street from from the elementary school our kids went to, and Sabrina, my wife, she would regularly volunteer for class activities or, or parties, and it was super easy to just walk across the street and you know, help out in the classroom. At the time, she had really, really short hair, and her hair is really, really thick. So if she did not put product in it and style it, it was just a frizzy, you know, hairball. It was like a chia pet out of control on her head. I'm just saying that's, that was reality. And so on, on one day, she was scheduled to volunteer in our daughter Mariah's fifth grade classroom. Uh, before she would style her hair, she would put product, she would rub product all through her hair and then just push her hair straight back and up and just let it sit in there for a little bit and then she would style it. Well, on this day, she got the product all in, but then got sidetracked doing something else and never styled her hair. It literally looked like Kramer from Seinfeld, if you know what that, if you don't know what that is, we got a picture of Kramer. I hope y'all are laughing because that's just funny right there. Thinking she had already styled her hair, she never looked in a mirror, walked right over to Mariah's classroom, and Mariah was mortified. She got home from school that day and the first thing she said to Sabrina is, mom, what were you thinking? Like the kids were asking what was wrong with your hair? Didn't you look in a mirror? And the obvious answer is no. <laughs> because if she looked in a mirror, she would have corrected what was wrong, right? I mean, no one, no one looks into a mirror sees something wrong and then walks away and doesn't fix it. No one does that. And spiritually, that's what James is saying the word of God should be to our faith. The, the word of God is a mirror that we then, by the power of God, we should reflect that. We should portray God's word in and through our lives. So when we say we have faith and then we stand in front of the mirror of God's word, we don't just walk away and not change what's out of place. No, we adjust our life, we adjust our walk to match God's word. And if we don't do that, but we say we have faith, James says at best we are foolish at worst, we are fooling ourselves and our faith is worthless. Our religion is worthless. Bruh. And sadly, there are lots of people who say they have faith in God, but their lives look nothing like his word. And a lot of times, 
It's simply because they are not looking in the word. They're not regularly reading the word of God and allowing the word of God to read them, acting as a mirror into and through their lives. For some people, if you happen to make it to church on Sunday, that's about all the word of God you're getting in a week. And it's a lot like only looking in the mirror once a week. Eventually, something's not going to look right in your life. But also, there are sadly lots of people who say they believe in God. They say they are a Christian. They actually look into the mirror of God's word. They just don't like what it says about how they're living. They don't agree with it. And so they ignore it. And they walk away, refusing to fix what the mirror displayed was wrong in their life. They refuse to accept the power the word of God has to save them and change them, which is what James started our main scripture with today. We need a faith that portrays, that reflects the word of God. This is why it's, it's vital that we are reading his word every day and being in a small group with other Christians. I want my life to portray and reflect what the word of God says. So I look into the mirror of God's word every single day. And if something in my life is not reflecting what God's word says, I need to confess that to God, repent of it in my life, seek his forgiveness, and then ask him for his power to help change the way I live so that my life is a portrayal of what the word of God says. But also, I need other people around me to help hold me accountable and to help me see the mirror from different angles and perspectives and life experiences. That's part of what a small group is and part of what a small group does. I had planned to use a full-length mirror as an illustration if I was there in person. Uh, so you'll have to just uh, imagine that, that with me. But, 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 but imagine that, that I'm, I'm sitting at my small group and I'm, 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 we're all centered around the Word of God. The Word of God is, is at the center of our, of our small group. And I'm viewing the Word of God here and then, you know, there's Usually my best friend Todd and there's James and Rich and there's Scott and Steve and Dan and Kevin and I'm probably leaving uh, Dave, probably leaving somebody out. But we're, we're sitting there around the word of God and I can't tell you how many times someone speaks up and, and says something about what they see in the word of God and it is a Holy Ghost moment in that room. And we're like, dude, bruh. I have never seen that before in scripture. And now because they were able to share their perspective, now I'm viewing the word of God through a different angle and perspective and, and life experience. And in, in no way am I saying that, that the truth of God's word changes just by the way someone looks at it. But friends, I, I am not perfect in my understanding of the word. 
And uh, there are times I need other people to share their perspective of it so that now I have a new revelation from God's word and can leave that small group with a fresh perspective of how the word of God should be portrayed in and through my life. There's even been times in small groups I've been in where I or someone else will share something that we see in the word of God. And then someone else says, you know, I, I don't think you're seeing that from the right perspective or angle. I don't think that's what the word of God means. And it helps get me to the right perspective of God's word. That's why you need to be in community. You need to be in a small group so that you're opening yourself up to other people speaking into your life from the word of God through their perspective and their life experience. And there is a small group out there that needs you in it to do the same thing. It's our core value of better together that we become the most like Christ when we are connected together through Christ. We need community to become like Jesus. And one of the most vital roles of small groups is to sit around the word of God, to share my perspective, but to hear other people's perspectives as well. A saving faith is much more than a saying faith. So what kind of faith is God looking for? A faith that portrays. It reflects the word of God. Number two, a faith that produces. A faith that produces. We're going to jump to James 2, 14 through 17. The verses prior to this, he's still talking about faith. We're just skipping it for the sake of time. James 2, 14 through 17 says this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say, there it is, you have faith, but don't what? Show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Bruh. Like, wow. Lord, help us have a faith that produces. Now, I want us to be careful here that we don't fall into the trap that's easy to do of thinking that we need to earn our salvation. We have to understand this. No amount of good works in my life can produce salvation. But while good works don't produce our salvation, make no mistake about it, if we are truly saved, our salvation will produce good works. Again, I hope I'm getting some amens, even though I'm not there in person. We see this all through the New Testament. The Apostle Paul says this, Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. God saved you by his grace. So nothing we can do. When you believed, 
And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. So we can't produce our salvation. But he goes on to say this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew. He has saved us in Christ Jesus so we can, what? Do the good things, good works, he planned for us long ago. So we are not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works. We are saved so that we are able to do them. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 also speaks of this. Paul says this, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him, to do good works for him. As pastor and theologian Dallas Willard said, God's grace is not opposed to our effort. God's grace is opposed to our earning. You see, we cannot earn our salvation, but because we've been saved, we should work hard, engaging in the word of God, being filled with the power of God to produce good works for God and for his kingdom. The good works that he planned long ago for you and for me to do. A saving faith is not just a saying faith. It's much more than that. So what kind of faith is God looking for? He's looking for a faith that portrays, a faith that produces. And then number three, the last thing is this, a faith that is profitable. A faith that is profitable. Uh, James 2 now, 18 through 20, ends our scripture James says this, continuing the same thoughts. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe there is one God? Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. Bruh, how foolish, James says. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? It profits you nothing. I mean, Satan himself believes in God and profits him nothing. Same with all of his demons, as James said. I mean, it really is like the wheelbarrow story we started the sermon with. Imagine that, that life, your life is a tightrope, which, which is not hard to imagine, right? Like just a one misstep and it changes everything. And on one end of the tightrope is eternal death, eternal separation from God. On the other end is eternal life, eternal life in God. And the only way to get from death to life is along that, that tightrope. And on that tightrope is where you experience real full 
life. And not only is the tightrope the only way, but the only way to traverse the tightrope is in the wheelbarrow. And there's only one person who can push it. You can believe all you want that the tightrope and the wheelbarrow and that person is the only way to experience eternal life. You can say it. You can come to gatherings about it. You can sing to the one who pushes the wheelbarrow. You can give to his cause. You can serve in his organization. You can do all the things. But until you get in the wheelbarrow and trust the person to push you across to the other side, it profits you nothing. And there are so many people who end their life Maybe even saying they believe that is the way, but they refuse to trust the person with the wheelbarrow to get in it, to have them navigate their life and to push them to the other side. And I don't want that to be you. You see, we have this problem called sin. All of us have, have sinned. Our sin separates us from a, a holy God. Uh, our sin earns us. We deserve, we get eternal death and separation on the other end's eternal life. And we can't bridge that gap. No amount of work or effort or earning or purchasing can, can get me eternal life. That we can't get there on our own. But God said, I'll be the way for you. And so he came in the form of Jesus to walk us across that tightrope. Jesus, God in the flesh, he came as one of us. He modeled a perfect life for us. He died because of us paying the price for our sins. And three days later, he rose victorious so that any one of us, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, by faith in Jesus, we can be forgiven of our sins. We get a new life today, power to live a full life for him every day. And then one day, by our faith in Jesus, he will safely take us across the tightrope of life and we will spend eternity with him forever. Have you experienced that in your life? If you've yet to put your faith in Jesus, trusting him with the wheelbarrow of your life, if you've not done that but you want to, just say this prayer silently in your heart to God. Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus I believe he is God. Jesus, you died in my place and rose again, so I put my faith in you. Please forgive me of my sins, everything I've done. Wash me clean and make me new. I repent of the way I've lived my life, trying to be in charge of my own wheelbarrow. I put my faith in you, and I turn to follow you in a new life and a new way. I receive from you salvation. Please live in my heart. I pray that your word would be portrayed through my life. Help me produce good works with my faith. And Lord, I pray that by your help and power, I would live a life of faith that's profitable for your kingdom and for my eternal good. Thanks for loving me. I'll do my best to love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. No matter where you're watching from, whether you're there in person or watching online, 
If you put your faith in Jesus, it's the best decision you'll ever make. It's the hardest one you will ever live out. And we want to help you live it out. So if you would just let us know that you put your faith in Jesus by texting the word E-LIFE to 94000. Text E-LIFE to 94000 and we will just respond back to you just with a word of congratulations, welcoming you to the family of God and then a link. If you click that link, you will immediately get a free download of a resource we created to get you taking your next steps in your faith in Jesus. We also want you to sign up for baptism from that link. Uh, if you've put your faith in Christ but have not been baptized, that is your next step. Uh, so please make sure and sign up for baptism. It's on the third Sunday, uh, third Sunday of every month is baptism. We'd love to be a part of that part of your faith journey. And then to every believer who's watching, for those of you who are in community, keep it up. You need to be in a circle of people centered on the word of God, learning from one another how to have the word portrayed through you. And if you're not in a small group, would you at least consider it? Would you consider it? If you're not leading one and you're ready to lead one, would you consider that? We need more small group leaders to accommodate the number of believers we had have who need to be in community. So I'm just asking, would you pray about being in or leading a small group? We need each other. We are better together. We're better together. I love you guys so much. I'm sorry I couldn't be there in person. Lord willing, I'll be back there with you uh, next week. Let me close with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, your word is so good to us and for us. And Lord, I love that James, uh, you, your spirit through James, you do not pull any punches. You don't hold anything back. You reveal to us the kind of faith that you want us to live. Lord, I pray that in my life, the life of every Christian, that we would live a life that portrays your word. And when we don't, may we be quick to confess and seek your forgiveness. Lord, help us live a faith that produces, produces the good things you want us to do for your kingdom. And Lord, may our faith be profitable, profitable again for your kingdom, but mostly for our eternal good. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast or follow us on social media. To learn more about our gathering times in Cheyenne, Wyoming, or to take your next step, visit our website, elementchurch.life. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next week right here on the Element Church Podcast.